Welcome to the Boonville Worship Center Sermon Podcast. So I'm going to read from Isaiah 57. At the end of 13 it says, But he who takes refuge in me shall inherit the land. Let, let's, just, let's just meditate in the word for a minute, okay? Let's just, med- let's just soak in the word for a minute. He who takes refuge in me will inherit the land, and he shall possess my holy mountain. And it shall be said, build up, build up, prepare the way. So there's a responsibility in our own hearts to get all the rocks out of the way. Remove every obstacle out of the way of my people. For thus says the high and exalted one who lives forever, whose name is holy, I dwell on a high and holy place and also with the contrite and lowly of spirit in order to revive the spirit of the lowly and to revive the heart of the contrite. So God, we just come in this morning and we just run into your holy mountain and we just hide ourselves. And we just ask God that if there is sin within our hearts, God, let there be true, deep conviction. God, let our hearts be broken before you, Lord God, because that's where, that's where you're found, is with the broken and the lowly. We ask you, God, to revive us. We pray for revival. We pray for revival. Your way, not our way, oh God. We just give you our highest praise this morning in Jesus' name. Father God, we just love you. We just honor you in this house this morning. And we just thank you for your love that you poured out into us. We thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your mercy. We thank you for your faithfulness. We thank you for your perseverance. We thank you for never giving up on us. We thank you that you're always there. You, O God, are the very breath that we breathe. You are life. You are love. You are holy. We just honor you today, Lord. Just lift our hearts up to you. We lift our words up to you, God. We just magnify you. Jesus, King of glory, we just worship you this morning. Holy Spirit, we just embrace you. We embrace you, Holy Spirit. We yield to you throw our hands up and say yes to you to come and fill us empower us teach us guide us lead us convict us change us thank you so grateful for time to just corporately be together in your presence god it's a beautiful thing may we never take it lightly May we never enter into corporate worship and gathering and in Your presence, God. May we never, may we never take it lightly, God. May we never take lightly this invitation that we have to come and be before the King of Glory together, where You can come and just and 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 pour out Shekinah glory right in our midst, O oh God. We're hungry and we're desperate, and we give You our yes in this house. And I just declare, God, You just have Your way. Every family, every individual, no matter the age, God, every child, every adult. God, let's let your plan be released in their hearts today, God. Whatever barrier might be in the way, whatever pain they may be going through, God, whatever questions they may have, God. Just pray, God, that every person in here today encounters, encounters the genuine, affectionate love of the Father. You just penetrate their hearts, oh God, and draw them to You. We welcome You. Holy Spirit, we welcome You. In Jesus' name.
Amen. Amen. Let's give the Lord a praise offering as you're being seated. Just thank Him. He's so good. Isn't He good? Amen. Good morning. Welcome to the house of the Lord. I'm just going to pray to open up. Holy Spirit, we thank you, God, that you continue to bring to light the Word of God. You continue to speak the mind of God. You continue to open our eyes and ears to hear, to perceive your voice, God, to receive from you. Lord, and we pray that you would continue to do that today. You would give us ears to hear. You would give us a heart to receive. Lord, you would speak, speak your words, Lord, your words of life that you would bring to light, God, what it is you want us to receive from you in Jesus' name. Amen. So today I'm going to be preaching on how God speaks and how we learn to discern his voice. How God speaks and how we learn to discern his voice. So in this I will also be touching topics like discerning the presence of the Lord, discerning the the activity of God in our midst. I will touch on the gift of prophecy and the various parameters of of what we can learn about the prophetic gift. Um, But to one of the principles of preaching, especially as it pertains to this topic, is even after preparing the notes and praying and studying, we still keep our ears open. Yes? So we still keep our ears open and we continue to allow the Lord to speak. We continue to allow the Lord to bring clarity to our hearts and our minds so that God can perhaps fill out or add to the message beyond what we thought was a finished message. So in that vein, um, I just want to utilize a present analogy right here in the church. So you may notice that the lights here are not blue, and you wouldn't notice without me pointing it out, but if I come over here and I grab the remote control to these lights, and I try to hit the button for red or green or blue, it's not doing anything. So something has broken. So what happened is the remote control for the projector, if you point it in the wrong direction, it will turn these lights on or off, right? So what happened is the lights... They received and they obeyed a command that they were not intended to receive or obey. And in the receiving and the obeying of a false signal that was not intended, they were not designed to receive that false signal, it broke what is called the master-slave connection between what should be the, the, so uh, uh, the, the light over here is considered the master. Every other subsequent light is hardwired to obey what this light is, is, re- receives, and that light is supposed to receive the true command, the ultimate command from this remote. So the master-slave connection was broken in obeying and receiving the wrong signal. So when we're talking about hearing the word of the Lord, hearing his voice, discerning how do we hear, how do we perceive, how do we listen to the voice of God, if we haphazardly are too open to receiving any possible signal that's pointed at us, it will break the connection and we will, have a di- we will have difficulty receiving the true signal. Turn green. Why aren't you listening to me? It's not listening. It's not obeying. It's not listening. It's not in tune 
to hear the right command because it got confused. It got distracted. It listened to a wrong signal and it broke. The master-slave connection broke. And how many of you know that can happen to us? So the, the, the topic of how do we, how does God speak, and how do we discern His voice? Super important. And oddly enough, that question of why does God speak, I failed to even put it in the notes. So God in His graciousness reminded me, brought to light, he illuminated to my mind the importance of that question. Why does God speak? What is the intent? What is the purpose in me listening? And I, I'll talk about this more later, the, the analogy of, of a radio, you know, of, of turning the station, of tuning your ear to listen. So why, what is the purpose of me turning that radio station dial and trying to get the right frequency to receive the right command from the right source. What's the purpose? Why would I do that? So why should I hear God's voice? The answer to this is pretty important. So I hear God's voice, number one, for intimacy, right? Because to be a believer is to be part of a family is to, it's to establish that relational living connection with God that is beyond just me pursuing a body of knowledge and becoming an expert in a body of knowledge so that I can know something, right? Christianity is more than just the parameters of the information. It is also that living relationship with God. So I want to hear His voice. I want to know how to discern it so that the relationship can be alive. I want the relationship to be alive. I also want to hear His voice so that I can obey. Right? So I also didn't have this verse in my notes, but I have it right here. Uh, Deuteronomy 4, 29-31 says, But from there you will seek the Lord your God, and you will find Him. If you seek him with all your heart and with all your soul, when you are in distress and all these things come upon you in the latter days, when you turn to the Lord your God and obey his voice, for the Lord your God is a merciful God, he will not forsake you or destroy you, nor forget the covenant of your fathers which he swore to them. So, so God is saying, I will be present, I will not forsake you, I will heal you, I will protect you if you obey me, if you obey his voice. So that is another reason why we want to learn how to hear and discern his voice so that we can obey. But God is also saying that he will not forget the covenant of the fathers. What does that mean? That means that Christianity is not just a present faith for our generation, I mean, if there's, if there's one thing you'll, you, you learn from me, this will be one of, one of the things that's like deeply rooted inside of me. That our faith is a historic faith and it is a corporate faith. It is historic and it is corporate. In, 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 in the charismatic church, the, the, the modern day church, we have rightly emphasized the individuality of our faith. Why have we done that? We have rightly like, promoted the individual, the, the individual connection with God because of the intimacy part. I'm supposed to be intimate with God. It is a personal relationship. That's why I can go be alone. I can pray by myself. I can receive from God alone. I can feel Him. I can sense Him. I can have Him speak to me and encourage me. So that personal relationship with God should be there. So we have emphasized the personal, but the, the, the caveat of that, the, the potential downside of that, is we can accidentally forget that our faith is not just personal. It is historic, and it is corporate. 
So I need the historic faith. If I don't have the historic faith, I will get off. That doesn't mean that every person in every church is going to study the history of the church and read systematic theology, theology books cover to cover. I get that. But the faith is historic. So in, in order for me to rightly understand and receive the historic faith, I have to learn from somebody else. Hear me. I have to learn from someone else in order to receive and understand the historic Orthodox faith. I have to. It is a corporate historic faith. Where we get mistaken is we see hearing God's voice, we sometimes accidentally detach it from the historic and we detach it from the corporate and we think that we can find our little niche in the sand on, the, on a beach somewhere, read our Bible, be devotional, seek to establish that personal relationship with God, which we need, and in that personal relationship with God, we, we think that we will rightly understand everything that we need to rightly understand. We think that we will come out of that season, let's say you take six years, you know, you're a new believer, you take six years, you just spend time by yourself. You read your Bible, spend time with God. You may not come out of that season with an orthodox faith. Why? Because our faith is historic. And it's corporate. And if we miss the historic and we miss the corporate, then we may not fully know how to discern the, the, the voice of the Lord. We think that discernment means that we can be infallible in our perception of what God's voice is and isn't, right? So there's a spectrum. So hearing God, when we're talking about hearing God, the, the topic of, of prophecy and discernment and hearing the voice of the Lord, there's a wide range of understanding and opinions regarding how God speaks how to discern his voice, how and when should we correct someone if, if they're speaking out of their soul, right? Because that, that can happen too. We, we can think that God is speaking to us. We can get excited that we think that God is speaking to us. We can proclaim as if God's speaking to us and the whole time be a little bit off kilter or a little bit deceived or a little bit misinformed, right? So here's the tension, on the far end of the spectrum, some can think that they have the definitive answer, the, the discernment for if and when and to what degree God is present and speaking. So hear me. If I stroll into a church that I've never been to, obviously I want my ears open. Obviously I want my heart open. Obviously I want my discernment receptor engaged. I want to be able to discern, like, okay, is this, are they preaching the authentic gospel? Lord, are you, what, what are you doing here? But we can also wrongly run down that bunny trail so far that we think that 100% of the time we have the discernment of if God is present, what he's doing, if he's speaking, are you following me? So if I do that, and I, and, I, and I go to this conference, and then I visit this church, and in the coming and the going, I'm constantly just saying, yes, no, God's here, God's not here, God's speaking here, God's not speaking there. I have put myself in a position where I am isolating myself and raising myself up as the ultimate in discernment. And that too is a, is a, is a severing from the historic faith and the corporate faith. Christianity is historic and it's corporate. That has to impact even my personal discernment of God. Are you speaking here? What are you saying? So this really matters because I'll give you a practical example. Sometimes Julianne and I will listen to the same sermon and one of us will be deeply touched and the other one, me, I, I, I am... I'm edified, I'm washed, I agree with the, 
theology of what's said. But it may or may not like transform my life. So the question is, should we, in a hyper discernment, evaluate that and said, well, God's on this message. You didn't feel anything. Therefore, I discern that you're a heathen. You don't hear God. You don't know how to hear God. And I'm in tune. That's the temptation for all of us. Not just me, not just my wife. That, that, like, that, like, we can accidentally fall into that trap. But the faith is historic and it's corporate. What does that mean? I, so I, I was uh, in Sacramento visiting my 88-year-old grandmother and my aunt and my mom and a, three of my sisters. We were walking around a lake in Sacramento. Just as one of the days we were there, let's go on a five-mile walk or whatever. So I am walking this lake in Sacramento, and my radio, so to speak, is tuned to the station, to the God station. My, my ears are open, and I'm just fellowshipping with God as I'm walking with my sisters around this lake. So I'm having personal connection with God as I'm walking around this, this lake. And I really felt the Lord impress upon me the, the, this reality that we need in hearing the voice of God, we need the corporate, the corporate testimony. Because sometimes I walk into a meeting, it could even be a meeting where people are getting out of wheelchairs, like just like to, 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 to dispel any false understanding. Let me be clear. You can be in a meeting where people are being baptized in the Holy Spirit, they're falling over, they're being slain in the Spirit, people are getting out of wheelchairs, people are being delivered all around you, and you can feel nothing. That's true. Factually true. I can prove it from my personal history and the history of dozens of people I know. At IHOP, there was a nine-month season, 8,000 test documented testimonies of healing, of, of deliverance, of people being released from depression and whatnot. There were some of those meetings I felt God. Some of those meetings I felt nothing. So if, if I'm hyper-focused on personal discernment, then I will wrongly judge the corporate meeting and say, God isn't here because I don't feel him. God isn't present because I don't feel touched. Because I'm not hearing a word of the Lord to my spirit. How many of you know God speaks fluently every single language on planet earth? Every, every dialect, when you go to India and there's hundreds of different dialects and every tribe has a different dialect and he speaks all of them fluently. And he also speaks the languages that have been lost. Whether the Aztecs or whoever else, Native Americans from hundreds of years ago. He speaks all of those languages fluently. What does that mean? I believe that the Lord was using this picture to impress upon my heart and say that God is speaking in many different languages. And to use another analogy of a radio, he's speaking on many different frequencies at the same time. By frequencies, I don't, I don't mean new age woo. I mean, I mean, he's speaking diversely to many different people in many different situations all at the same time. That means that we need not just individual ability to say, God, I want to hear your voice for me. We need the corporate testimony. The corporate testimony says that in humility, I can say, I felt nothing. I heard nothing. I discerned nothing. But if the testimony of my brother and my sister say that God was present that God was speaking, that God did something, then in humility, I say, yes, God. I say, increase, give more, even though I heard nothing and I felt nothing personally. God was just speaking on a different frequency than, than what I was in tune to in that moment. And that is okay. So in hearing the voice of the Lord, it is absolutely paramount that we understand that it's historic and it's corporate. So I, I, to say it again, as it pertains to the Orthodox faith, in order for me to be most, have the greatest clarity on the Orthodox Christian faith, the historic faith, I need to be able to learn from others because it's corporate and it's historic. So they know things that I don't. 
That's why I read. That's why I went to Bible school. That's why I, 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 I'm always in the, in the position of God. I, I don't know everything. A, a, every new season, I'm, 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 I'm exploring new topics in God that I've never studied before. And I'm sitting as a, as a student saying, God, teach me. Because if I just lock myself in a prayer closet and say, speak, God will speak, but he's not going to be speaking every revelation that every person in the body of Christ has ever received from God. How many of you know that? If, if, if God is speaking to you about humility and repentance, he's probably not speaking to you about Israel about the end times, about inner healing, about deliverance, about marriages, about conflict resolution, about how to interpret the parables, about the history of revival. There's there's thousands upon thousands upon thousands of biblical topics of things that we can learn from and explore and grow. But he's not going to be speaking all of those things to me at the same time. Literally impossible. I could not, even a very limited, right? It's, a, it's, it's the analogy of the radio station. Number one, the radio has to be turned on to receive a signal. If the radio is turned on, but my ears aren't paying attention, what do I hear? Noise. I, do, I don't know what the moderator is speaking. I don't know what the song, what the words are to the song that's being sung. Why? Because my ears aren't tuned in to hear what is being said. I'm giving a signal to these lights. They won't hear me. They're not tuned in to the right frequency. The master-slave connection broke. So in order for that to be healed, I've got to reset some things. I've got to recalibrate. I've got to... Tell it again what the master is and tell it again what the slave is so that it hears me. So this is what we need. So we need the radio turned on. We need the ability to dial in the right frequency because, again, even if the radio is turned on, even if it's set to a station, what's on that station may not be what you need. I want blue lights. It's projecting what I did not tell it to project so your radio could be turned on, your ears could be open, but if you're hearing the voice of condemnation constantly, if you're hearing the blaring voice of temptation constantly, then your spirit man is dialed into the wrong frequency. Right? So you're, you're hearing something, but you're not hearing the right thing. You're not hearing that which edifies, that which builds you up, that which purifies the, the Word of God that purifies us, sanctifies us, instructs us. We're not hearing that. So we have to be able to turn to the right frequency. But again, it's also corporate. How many of you know your AM, FM radio in your car, no matter how big of an antenna you put on it, you could spec that thing out with the best antenna that money can buy that AM, FM radio still won't be able to pick up UHF, VHF, GMRS, FRS, MERS, ham radio signals. How many of you know there's a plethora of, of wireless radio frequencies out there? So again, we need the corporate. We need that corporate testimony. We need the diversity that God has put into the body. Because, because what God, how God has, has wired me to have that antenna to listen, I'm going to be hearing things from the Lord that we need corporately, but that same signal may not be pinging my wife or someone else, right? So we need the corporate. We need the historic and we need, and we need the corporate. So how God speaks, I'm going to just very briefly without giving scripture references, just very briefly talk about how does God speak in the Old Testament? How has God historically spoke? God spoke, number one, through angels. Right? God sent angelic messengers to key people in key times to direct their steps. Angelic encounters were not common, though, for the average Israelite. How many of you know? 
1.2 million angels were not being sent out every week to all the Israelites, giving them personal direction. But that realm of God speaking to key people at key times through the angelic is, is real and biblical. So God also spoke through dreams. There are many Bible verses describing dreams that came from God to give direction and even correction. And how many of you know that the giving of dreams, God even spoke to wicked kings or the wives of wicked kings in order to correct them. So God speaking can even transcend the realm of being saved or not. God can break into the space of someone who's unsaved, give them a dream, give them correction, or enlighten their path to, to understand or receive Jesus. God also spoke face to face. This was unique and only to Moses. So it says that God spoke to Moses face to face in a way that no other prophet, New Testament, Old Testament, no other individual on the face of the earth has had that kind of interaction face to face with God. So God also spoke through prophets and seers. So Isaiah and Ezekiel, they saw the Lord in visions. Jeremiah so often saw the Lord in pictures that God would explain. Daniel had dreams, visions, and encounters with angels. Hosea heard God through really, really, really difficult life circumstances. God spoke to him in the midst of marrying a prostitute. God brought clarity and a message to his heart through those circumstances. Amos had visions. Zechariah had visions, and it specifies that they were often visions of the night. Micah received words from the Lord. I mean, often in the Old Testament, you, say, you, just, hear, you just see the phrase, the word of the Lord came to so-and-so. So there's that slightly unclear reality of the word of God just coming. We also see that God spoke to prophets through parables and dark sayings. So Hosea 12.10, it says, I have also spoken to the prophets, and I gave numerous visions, and through the prophets I gave parables. Visions and parables. How many of you love parables? God speaks and you're like, I have no idea what you're talking about. No comprendo. I don't know. I don't know what it means. In Numbers 12.6-8, he said, hear, hear, hear now my words, if there is a prophet among you, I, the Lord, shall make myself known to him in a vision. I shall speak with him in a dream. Not so with my servant Moses. He is faithful in all my household. With him I speak mouth to mouth, even openly and not in dark sayings. And he beholds the form of the Lord. So here's this phrase where God is saying, I speak to Moses mouth to mouth, face to face. But I speak to the other prophets in dark sayings. How many of you like dark sayings? So what do we learn from this? We learn that God can be speaking, and on our end of it, it's not quite clear. Yes? Even, I mean, this is Old Testament. This is capital P, prophets. This is the Spirit of the Lord came upon the prophets to give messages. And God is giving those messages to these prophets in parables and dark sayings, that are hard to understand. Why am I saying this? Because we always want to be rooted in the text. This gives clarity to so many things, even if the clarity is that sometimes God speaks and it's hard to discern. Because I can, in charismatic fervor, come to the misconception, the wrong idea, that the spirit of prophecy is 100% accurate, 100% all the time, 100% clear. How many of you would love that? How many of you would love if the spirit of prophecy was 100% accurate, 100% of the time, 100% clear? If you just knew, like you touch somebody to pray for them, and your mind blanks out, you hear an audible voice in your head, and a movie screen appears before your eyes, thus says the Lord, you are to say, this person needs to go to 3rd and whatever street. They will see a person with a stroller. They will touch them and that person in the stroller will... Blah, 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 blah. Like, we would love that. 
if it was 100% clear, 100% of the time, 100% accurate. What we see from these examples is that God spoke diversely to the prophets, even the capital P prophets, that spirit of prophecy, it was diverse. Some of them saw visions, some of them had angels, some of them had dreams, some of them have, had, had the word of the Lord just come to their spirit, some of them saw pictures and God explained the picture. And they were also often in these dark sayings, these parables, these hard to understand realities. And another thing we can learn from the Old Testament is that sometimes God doesn't answer. 1 Samuel 28, 5-7, it says, When Saul saw the camp of the Philistines, this was after Samuel had died, he was afraid and his heart trembled greatly. When Saul, Saul inquired of the Lord, the Lord did not answer him, either in dreams, by the Urim, or by the prophets. He inquired of God, God did not answer him, either by dreams, by Urim, or by the prophets. Then Saul said to his servant, Seek for me a woman who is a medium, that I may go to her and inquire of her. In other words, his desire for answers eclipsed his commitment to find them God's way. His desire to receive something from the spirit realm, clarity from the realm of the spirit, was greater than his desire to wait on the Lord. He's like, I tried you, God, you failed. I even tried multiple ways, like, speak to me anytime you want, any, any way you want, through a dream, through a prophet, through, through the casting of lots, like anything. Speak to me. And God chose not to speak. So sometimes in the seeking of hearing God's voice, we don't hear as quickly or as clearly as we hope. I remember in Bible school, in the midst of wrestling with torment in the night and whatnot, every night, Every night, I anointed my head with oil, and I prayed, God, give me revelation of Jesus. Give me revelation of the cross. Give me revelation of Jesus. Show me Jesus. Show me the cross. Talk to me about the cross. And I prayed that prayer for what felt like years. I never got some crazy encounter in the night with revelation about Jesus or the cross. And yet every night I'm like anointing my head, like, God, give me dreams, give me visions, speak to me. I was hungry. But how many of you know now, 15 years later, however long it's been, that topic of gospel-centered, presence-driven, like that reality of the gospel, clarity on the gospel, like that's something that burns in me. So God did, God did develop in me something in response to that cry even though it came slowly and over many, many, many years. He didn't encounter me suddenly with some divine open vision of the meaning of the cross. But in the crying out to hear God's voice, slowly but surely over many years, now I'm passionate about the gospel in ways I've never been. So like, thank you, God. So in hearing God's voice, we understand that it's not always immediate. God, do, always, God doesn't always answer to the degree or at the speed that we hope He does. So is real prophecy 100% accurate? Can a believer who hears God's voice give a word that is either not accurate or not fully accurate? In short, the gift of prophecy is not infallible. The gift of prophecy is not the singular thing given from God that is 100% free of error. In the same way that the gift of teaching isn't perfect. How many of you know the gift of miracles doesn't mean that I can lay my hand on anyone I desire and just go empty out of hospital? Even if I have the manifest anointing of God with the gift of miracles, I still can't just heal everybody. But oftentimes we don't slow down enough to think it through. So we think gift of prophecy has to be 100% accurate or you're a false prophet and you need to be kicked out of the church. But then with the gift of teaching, we sit in front of teachers and we're like, man, I love 98% of what you say, but I wouldn't say that that way. And we're not stoning them, right? We're not saying you're a false teacher because you accidentally said one thing wrong or you taught this series and it wasn't perfect. So we know that there's imperfection. We know that there's human reality within these other gifts. 
We know that the gift of healing, the gift of miracles, we know that these gifts aren't 100%, 100% of the time. But yet somehow, oftentimes, we believe that the prophetic gift is either you're 100% hearing from God or you're a 100% fraud. And I'm here to say, even in the Old Testament, the capital P prophets called by God to lead entire nations back to the Lord and into holiness, they, they were like, God, I don't understand. You're showing me something, but I don't fully get it. That so thoroughly overwhelms a person that their fallible human nature is bypassed and only 100% of the power of God is released. Not in preaching, not in serving, not in miracles, not in discernment, and not in prophecy. So, so it, as we gain clarity on hearing the word of the Lord, understanding how to hear, how to discern, most prophecy, this is a quote from a guy named Wayne Grudem. He's a systematic theologian. You can buy his systematic theology book. It's, you know, whatever, 1,200 pages. He, 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 and this is what he says. He's also spirit-filled. He says, most prophecy is human words reporting something that God brings to mind. Most prophecy is human words reporting something that God is bringing to mind. That's not much different than the anointing to preach. I am reporting to you the things that God has impressed upon me, awakened inside of me, given me clarity on, touched my heart deeply with, and I'm reporting it to you. And this thing is called the gift of preaching. In the same way, prophecy is us perceiving that we are hearing God speak, and then we are releasing with our human words to the best of our ability. We are articulating that thing that we are perceiving, we are hearing or seeing from God, and we are releasing that to you. That's the gift of prophecy. And we see this in 1 Corinthians 13, 9. It says, for we know in part, and we prophesy in part. I mean, that should be, that should be clear enough we know in part, we prophesy in part. In other words, it's literally impossible for me to have all these antennas, spiritual antennas sticking out of my head where I pick up all the frequencies and I can just magically walk into a room and be like, God is here. And then I walk into this room and I'm like, God is not here. And I have 100% clarity. I mean, we love it when we meet a stranger on the street and it's like we look into their eyes and they say one or two things and it's like, whoa. I think you're a believer, right? We could, some, some people have, they're more in tune to that than others, but they can do that. Like, that's legit. Like, maybe, I'm sure there's an error rate where sometimes you're not sensing it right, but that's legitimate, where you can walk up to someone you don't know and be like, I see light in your eyes. I, I think you know the Lord, right? But that's a perception. I'm perceiving I'm perceiving that this is true, but that doesn't mean that I can put a thousand people in front of that person and just align and just ask the question of, okay, yes or no, I'm going to test your discernment. I'm going to put a thousand people in front of you and you're just going to say, yes, they're a believer. No, they're not a believer. Yes, they're a believer. No, they're not a believer. You'd, like, you, we know that, that that wouldn't work. There is no way. No matter how perfect your, your spirit of discernment, there's no way that you'd be able to get that right a thousand times in a row. So there's no way that I can have clarity in the spirit on exactly what God is saying, exactly what God is doing 100% of the time. And that translates into the gifts. That translates into the gifts of the Holy Spirit. That means in preaching, sometimes... I'm going to just knock it out of the park. I have clarity. The Spirit of the Lord touches your heart. You receive it. You hear it. Other times I'm going to be up here. I'm just going to strike out. Sorry. So, so the Spirit of God working in us, He's using fallible creatures. We're capable of error. We're capable of getting it wrong. So 1 Corinthians 14.3, it says, But he who prophesies speaks edification, exhortation, and comfort to men. He who prophesies speaks edification, exhortation, and comfort. That's quite the wide range. This, this doesn't mean that the word of prophecy is, is like, 
I mean, some people, whatever, we split hairs between word of knowledge, word of prophecy. But it's like the, 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 the prophetic word isn't always so accurate that it's like you live on such and such street. You have a dog whose nickname is Fluffy Butt. And, the, and this is the situation in your life. And this is the word of the Lord to you. Like as, as the charismatic church presses in and we say, God, I want to hear. I want to hear your voice. Give, release the spirit of prophecy. Release words of knowledge. Release discernment. In that pressing, we want God to speak. But there's going to be variance of when and, and to what degree of accuracy our perception is right. Right? So we, 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 I, I, I want to be on the same page. With this, we, we know in part, we prophesy in part. If we look at the spiritual gifts and think through which one of these gifts have to operate in perfection, and can any of these gifts be learned or practiced? Word of wisdom. Have you ever known someone who so thoroughly possessed the spiritual gift of words of wisdom that everything that came out of their mouth was 100% wise, 100% God? Anybody? I mean, praise God when God sends somebody with a word of wisdom to us. We need that. What about words of knowledge? Have you ever known anybody who, again, that everything that's coming to their mind when they're asking the Lord, it's 100% right, 100% accurate, 100% of the time. What about faith? Can I grow in faith? Can I practice faith? Or is faith either 100% God or it's 100% the devil? If God has gifted me with a spirit of faith, number one, sometimes it's going to be higher on some days or moments or whatever. Sometimes it's going to be lower. Even the prophets in the Old Testament, sometimes they're like, hey, bring a minstrel to like play, like some anointed worship, because that gets, that gets me in tune. That helps me hear with an, an amplified antenna. It like amplifies the signal. So that means that there's an ebb and a flow of the clarity from God that's coming to us. Sometimes it will be amplified in worship. When I'm sitting here in worship, my mind is going to the lights and I'm like, wait a second, whoa, whoa, hold up. The Lord can use this. This will fit right into my message. Thank you, Lord, that you broke the lights. So sometimes God uses a place or an atmosphere of worship to amplify the signal of our ability to hear which is again a reason why our faith is historic and corporate. I can't just be by myself with my Bible and expect that every conclusion of my mind regarding what is and isn't correct doctrine, I can't expect that to be 100% right because that's me bypassing the historic and bypassing the corporate. I need the corporate testimony and I need to be rooted in a historic faith. I am not the last generation. Proof is my kids. So what does that mean? I'm a middle man. I need to receive a faith passed down, learn from both humans and from God, receive a faith passed down so that I can pass it down to the next generation. So that, that, that requires me to be aware. To be aware that my perception of what is perfect in the sight of God is not always right. I might be intimidated by a new message and not understand it and my intrepidation of that might be accurate or not. I mean, I, I've said this before in the pulpit, but in the New Testament book of Acts, like the leaders had to bring additional clarity of the gospel to the guy that was super passionate running around sharing the gospel. They had to correct him more accurately, give him a more accurate understanding of the faith. So again, it's corporate and it's historic. So the gift of healing and of miracles, it's not 100% accurate 100% of the time. Distinguishing between spirits, again, how many of you have perfect discernment? Sometimes it's not clear. I've had encounters in the night that it's like, whoa, whoa. I, I, like, I, like Julianne will hear me praying in tongues and I'm asleep and I'm like binding the devil. Get out of here, Satan. I bind you in the name of Jesus. And I'm speaking this in English. She's hearing me and I'm asleep. 
Other times, I've had encounters in the night that are like 100% God, undeniable. Other times, I've encountered things in the night, and I'm like, I have no clue. Ten years later, I'm like, I don't know. I've, I wrote it down in my journal. I don't know if that was God or not. So as we learn to discern his voice, we, it's exactly that. We are learning to discern. So how do we position ourselves to hear? We lower the noise. We lower the noise. Ecclesiastes 5, 1 through 2. Guard your steps as you go to the house of God. Draw near to listen. And then you can continue to read that if you desire. Draw near to listen. We know that spending time in prayer and reading the word positions us to hear. The same reason why me standing in worship with my ear open positioned me to hear more clearly. For God to fill in parts of the message that I would have left out. So spending time in his word and in prayer. God primarily speaks to our mind and our heart through prayer and his word. That, like, that, that is the primary way that God speaks. To our mind and to our heart when we're in prayer and in his word. We also position ourselves to hear from God as we repent and close open doors to sin. How many of you know if you're, like the more entangled we are with the flesh and with sin, the harder it is to discern what God is saying or if he's speaking. So we need God's help to do that. Sin separates us from God and distorts our ability to hear. We need to slow our pace. Slow the pace. In order to hear God, oftentimes we've got to dial it down. We've got to slow the pace. And we also need humility. I love this verse, 2 Chronicles 12, 7. It says, When the Lord saw that they had humbled themselves the word of the Lord came. And there's more to that verse, but that's, that's the first part. When the Lord saw that they had humbled themselves, the word of the Lord came. And the context says the word of the Lord came to the prophet. But it required a corporate humbling. The corporate humbling before God opened the door for the prophet to hear. And sometimes that's how God speaks. He, he wants the corporate humility so that the anointing can fall on whoever it is that God is wanting to release the word of the Lord through. So discerning God's voice, I've said this before, but discerning God's voice isn't always easy, and it takes practice. Job 33, verse 14 through 18. I'll just read the first part. It says, Indeed, God speaks once or twice, yet no one notices it. God speaks once or twice, yet no one notices it. In a dream, a vision of the night, when sound sleep falls upon men. So God is often speaking, and we just haven't yet fully learned how to discern. We haven't yet fully dialed in the radio station. We haven't fully submitted ourselves to the Lord to clear out the clutter and hear. And Hebrews 5, verse 14, says, Solid food is for the mature, who because of practice have their senses trained to discern good and evil. Through practice, we have our senses trained to discern. This applies to every gift of the Spirit. Through practice, I have my senses trained to discern if I have the gift of healing to discern when that manifest, manifestation of that gift is present to lay hands on somebody and have them be healed. Through practice, I learn to discern how to hear the Lord, how to deliver a message and preaching. Through practice, I learn to discern how to hear the voice of the Lord, to when to give a word of, of knowledge or a word of encouragement or a prophetic word. We learn to discern through practice. Like that is, that is the primary thing that I want us to really hear. God speaks through a diversity of ways. It is not just us and God. I will not, even in my best ability to understand and discern, I'm still not going to pick up everything God's saying. I'm not going to receive it all. I'm not going to understand it all. And I won't be able to release it all. I need to be part of a corporate body so that God can speak to me through you. So God can speak to us through Scott. So God can speak that corporate testimony. And again, we need the corporate testimony. I, I, my, 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 
my heart wants to learn how to dial down the quickness to quote-unquote discern. Because oftentimes that we, we're quick to discern and we forget that the quickness to discernment that we're like by ourselves discerning. Discernment's also corporate. So if I'm too quick to discern what God's doing and saying, and I'm like, nope, 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 you're 100% wrong. This is why I can, I, can, I can take one verse out of context to prove that you're wrong. And if I'm too quick to discern, I will, I will just get in that rut of doing that over and over and over again. Instead of learning, wait a second, I've got to slow down. I've got to humble myself and say, hey, wait, oh, wait, I should remember I don't have every antenna. Like, the Bible says that God's sheep hear his voice. Yes? But we just take that phrase and we run with it. And we're like, well, God's sheep hear his verse, so, so of course I can 100% discern everything perfectly right now. And I can instantly discern whether or not the, what you're saying is godly or not. And if you give a prophetic word, I can instantly discern if it's the flesh or the spirit. That's just not true. Like we need the corporate testimony so that we can humble ourselves and learn and say, God, teach me. Teach me not just how to discern for myself, but teach me how to discern through you. Teach me how to discern what God's doing and what he's saying and to what degree and where God's moving things, not just me in my closet, but us through a diversity of gifts that are hearing the Lord on many different levels. But we never forget that it's rooted in the historic, right? So I'll end on this. In wanting to hear God, there's one thing that we can accidentally want to hear that will completely break the connection. There's one thing that, that the charismatic church that wants to learn how to hear God, there's one thing that will break the connection. I mean, there's probably lots of things, but whatever. Follow my train of thought. Plenty of things. This is one of a thousand. One of the things that can break that connection is an imbalanced pursuit of novelty. When I'm wanting to hear God, I am not seeking to hear from God something that is unique and never before discovered. I'm not doing it. That is not God in us pushing us to hear. hear, to hear. That's me scanning all the radio stations, just trying to find something that I, that I like, that sounds good. That's not discernment. That's not, the right that's not the right charismatic approach to hearing God. Our goal should not be just keep flipping the radio stations until I hear something that I've never heard before. Hearing the voice of God is not the pursuit of novelty. It's not the pursuit of something unique that's never been said. That is the quickest way to false doctrine. That is the quickest way to integrating New Age beliefs into your Christianity. That's the quickest way to going to India and learning from their spiritual practices and being like, oh, that's new, that's novel. Maybe that's God and just integrating that right in. The goal is never, ever, ever novelty. The goal of hearing God's voice is to say, God, give me the orthodox faith which I learned from others. I learned the orthodox faith historically from others. And in that place, when I want to hear from God, I'm asking for God not to give me something new and fresh that, that no one's ever heard before. The aim is God, take the scriptures... Take the orthodox proven faith that can, be, that can be proven through the historic faith, like that can actually be laid out plain and proven through the corporate. Give me, make this alive to me. That's what the word of the Lord is. That's what me hearing God's voice is. It's God, take this word and make it alive. How many of you know when you're angry or depressed or tempted that the rational part of your brain just deflates and basically disappears. It shuts down. 
just scientifically, medically, the rational part of your brain shuts down. Which, which means what? The Word of God is living and active. But if my entire understanding of the Word, if God hasn't breathed on it in a way that makes it alive to me, it will be really hard for me to use that in the moment of temptation or in the moment of depression or in the moment of accidentally getting on the wrong radio station and hearing that blasting of accusation or self-hatred or whatever. In order for the word to be alive in the moments where, it, where it's needed the most, that's what hearing God comes in. Because hearing God takes the orthodox faith and it makes it alive. It's that spark of life to my spirit. Then, once that word is alive to my spirit, then even in the crisis, what comes to the surface? The word. Even in the crisis, where I am afraid, where I don't know what the future holds, where things are falling apart, in the crisis, the word comes up and out of my mouth. How do I get that cycle going? I get that cycle going by listening to God. It's me learning how to hear that takes the word and makes it alive in me. That's, that's the voice of God. That's, that, that is the primary thing that, that I should be pursuing when I'm saying God speak. I'm not asking for some new message that no preacher has ever preached before. If you hear that out of my mouth, correct me. Because that is not the aim of leaders in the body of Christ. I should not be looking for novelty so that I just amp up your adrenaline and dopamine as you hear something fresh and new. It's, God, it's God's word becoming alive. That's what's fresh. That's the, that's the, the you know, the, the, the word of the Lord being, being new and fresh is not novelty. It's becoming alive. It's touching our spirit with something that's living and active. And I, I, I think that is so, so important as we talk about hearing God's voice. Like, God, I'm not looking for something new in the sense of unique. If, if, God, if, God, if God, or, or you perceive that God is speaking something to you that is so fresh and unique that no one has ever heard it from God, run to somebody and submit your newfound idea about how to interpret scripture or what this verse means or how to get to heaven or how to have your prayers answered quicker or whatever the thing is, submit that to others around you to see if it's real. Because if what you're receiving is so new and fresh that no one's ever said it before, it's probably false. That's part of discernment. Again, discernment is corporate. Discernment is corporate. Hearing God is corporate. So we submit it to one another and we say, God, I think you're saying this. I perceive that maybe this is from you, but I need help. Because if I don't have help from the corporate, if I don't have help, then I'm just going to run in this direction because it sounds cool, but it may not actually be rooted in truth. So we are going to end it right there. I had 10 pages of notes, and I got through four of them. That's okay. So, Craig, I just invite you up. The foundation of everything I've said today is humility. It takes humility to not run off by ourselves. It takes humility to anchor ourselves in a historic faith. It takes humility to learn from others. It takes humility to receive the corporate testimony. It takes humility to listen and to believe that God is speaking and to not be 100% sure. It takes humility to practice. It takes humility... Humility, humility, humility. So if, if, if that speaks to you, where you're like, God, I want to learn how to discern your voice in a greater capacity. I want confidence in the process of growing, and God, I need help. If you, if, if you feel stirred from the Lord, I just invite you to just stand where you are and just say, God, give me ears to hear. So God, we thank you. Lord, your sheep do hear your voice. And Lord, we hear your voice in many, many different ways. Through your word, through others, 
in prayer, in worship, through prophets, Lord, so many different ways, God. And we pray that you would open up our ears to hear. God, I pray you would give us confidence in learning how to hear, learning how to receive, learning how to submit what we think we hear to others. God, I pray that you would teach us God, that through practice we could learn to discern your voice, that we could learn to develop a track record of intimacy and confidence in hearing you, God. And I also just invite all the men to stand. Lord, we pray. God, we know that there's, God, there's a weight upon men to lead their homes. God, to hear and discern your voice. Lord, I pray a grace be given to every man in this room. Father, grace to hear. Father, I pray that you would begin to speak to the men. God, even in ways that they have historically never known you to speak in those ways. God, I pray that you would release dreams to the men. God, I pray that you would release prophetic insight. God, I pray that you would release clarity on the mind and on the spirit to discern your presence, to discern what you're saying. God, impart to them a grace to lower the noise, a grace to listen and to hear and to obey. God, we need you. No matter how strong our personal gift or no matter how strong we think we are at hearing you or discerning God at the end of the day we are desperately in need God without you we have nothing without you we are a bundle of confusion God we need the spirit of the Lord to teach us teach us how to hear God in Jesus name Amen Happy Father's Day Enjoy your families, and we'll see you next week. Thank you for joining us this week. Until next time.